Resurrection Weekend is coming next week. Uh, a lot of people call that Easter. And they go on an Easter egg hunt. Easter egg hunt. And um, there's a Christian bookstore right around the corner that had a sign that said uh, resurrected eggs. Resurrected eggs. Is, is that right? Right, they were selling the eggs as resurrection eggs. Sister Ella took a picture. So I'll show you the picture if you want to see. Uh, this is a Christian bookstore selling resurrection eggs. That's profanity. That's a sign that the glory has departed from many a places that still call themselves Christians. As happened, what happened with Saul, King Saul, the Lord's blessing was already on David. And for many, many, many years, King Saul thought he was still king of Israel. And he sought by every means to try and eliminate David, even though David had every opportunity to have taken out Saul. That's profanity. That's failing to discern the things of the Lord. For our message, our resurrection message, I have a title. Scary when I have titles. I have two titles. I had three titles. I had to remove the other title because I was going for the fourth title. <laughs> the title of the message today is The Way to God Has Been Opened. The Way to God Has Been Opened. And if you want an alternative title, Christ is our sufficient high priest and sacrifice. Christ is our sufficient high priest and sacrifice. When you're reading the Bible, there are many things that you can find in the Bible. You can find in the Bible about the origin of all things. If you go to Genesis chapter 1, you learn that it's God who created all things from nothing. You can go into the Bible to learn about the history of peoples and nations. You can go in the Bible to find understanding on how to manage your money better. You can go in the Bible and find things on how to become a better parent, better wife, better kids. You can find a lot of useful things in the Bible. But the Lord did not give the Bible for that. He gave the Bible to reveal Jesus Christ. He gave his word that we may know Jesus Christ, the person of Jesus Christ, and the work of Jesus Christ. He gave his word that we may know the person and work of Jesus Christ. So much that the Lord Jesus Christ would say to the Jews, you seek the scriptures because you think in them you have eternal life. So he's saying you think you have all your things ordered about this life and the life to come by looking at the scriptures, but you're missing what the scriptures are teaching you. They're teaching you that it is they that testify about me. So if you want eternal life, if you want everything else that you're looking for, you have to come to me. So we also have to have the same approach. 
when we read the Bible, we have to go in the Bible with the intention of looking for him who has eternal life. I have two major points this morning concerning our salvation. The major first point is going to be we need to understand that we are in trouble. We need to understand that we are in trouble. And secondly, that our trouble has completely been removed by Jesus Christ in his life, death, and resurrection. Those are the two points. And we'll fill the details. Exodus 19, verse 10 to 13 reads, Exodus 19, verse 10 to 13 reads, The Lord also said to Moses, Go to the people and consecrate them today and tomorrow and let them wash their garments and let them be ready for the third day. For on the third day, the Lord will come down on Mount Sinai in the sight of all the people. You shall set bounds for the people all around, saying, Beware that you do not go up on the mountain or touch the border of it. Whoever touches the mountain shall surely be put to death. No hand shall touch him, but he shall surely be stoned or shot through. Whether beast or man, he shall not live. Exodus 33, verses 19 and 20. I will make my goodness pass before you, and I will proclaim the name of the Lord before you. I will be gracious to whom I will be gracious, and I will have compassion on whom I will have compassion. But he said, you cannot see my face. For no man shall see me and live. This was the Lord responding to Moses after Moses had asked if he could see the face of the Lord. Leviticus 16 verses 1 and 2. Now the Lord spoke to Moses after the death of the two sons of Aaron. When they had approached the presence of the Lord and died. The Lord said to Moses. Tell your brother Aaron that he shall not enter at any time into the holy place inside the veil before the mercy seat which is on the ark, or he will die, for I will appear in the cloud over the mercy seat. What is the problem? The problem that we have as sinful men is that we cannot approach a holy God without dying. The Lord is here teaching that sinful men cannot approach him without dying. And the warning is very clear. God cannot be approached anyhow that man determines. A holy and righteous God cannot be approached any other way than the way that he has determined to be approached. The Lord has a meeting. He has an appointment with each and every one of us. For he says in Hebrews 4.13 and Romans 14 and 12 that each one of us has to give account for the things that we have done. And when we give account of the things that we have done, There are two things that have to happen. We are going to give an account as those who are hiding in the rock that is Christ. Or we are going to stand on our own merit as we give the account. When we give our own account, the moment that you open your mouth, the Lord is going to shut it. And Jesus Christ, our advocate, will do the speaking. That is the work of an advocate. We have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ the righteous. Jesus Christ the righteous. So, you and I have an appointment with a holy and righteous God. And in the light of the problem that we have as sinful men and women... We have no solution to our sins in anything 
that we can do ourselves. There's nothing that we can do ourselves. So, men and women of the world do not know that God is holy. Men and women of the world do not know that God is holy and that they are sinners. In this culture, in our culture, American culture, people think they only have one problem, a financial problem, enough retirement. They need enough retirement money. So the concern of people from now until they die is, have they saved enough to see them through to the end? But the gospel that we preach talks about retirement post-retirement. Do you have enough saved to last you eternity? All your savings, all your savings, even if they were not taxed ever, even if they were not taxed ever, will not be enough to buy you a second of time out of hell. It's not enough to buy you a second of time of relief from hell. It's not enough. And the world does not know that God does not save good people. The Lord does not know that God does not save good people because they are no good people. But they think they are good. Look at me. If I trip, I am falling right into heaven. God has been waiting for me. And God is so happy that I am around his throne and his life will never be the same again. That's the thinking of the world. That's the thinking of the world. But I'll tell you this morning that the one who has found a way to approach a holy God in peace is the one whose trouble has been removed. The one who has found a way to approach God in peace is the one whose trouble has been removed. Now, does that mean that you're not going to get sick? No. Does that mean that you're not going to have financial trouble? No. But it means that when it ti- the time comes for you to m- meet with your maker, your judge who is holy and righteous, you are going to be able to approach him in peace. This is what David, the psalmist, says in Psalm 32, verse 1 and 2. How blessed is he whose transgression is forgiven, whose sin is covered. How blessed is the man to whom the Lord does not impute iniquity. According to the word of the Lord, blessedness to a man is the forgiveness of sins. The Lord Jesus Christ said, your life does not consist in the abundance of your possessions. Seek ye the kingdom of God and its righteousness, and all these other things shall be added unto you. And he doesn't even name them, because they are things. But he names what you have to seek, the righteousness and the kingdom of God, who is Jesus Christ himself. So the blessedness that God gives us is the forgiveness of sins. If anybody would ask you, if you are blessed, say, yes, I'm blessed because my sin has been forgiven. The health and wealth, your best life now, is a lack of understanding of the problems that men have as sinners and the lack of understanding of what it means to be blessed of God.
But listen to how God instructed the children of Israel to approach him. On the day of atonement, we are going to be in Leviticus 16. On the day of atonement, the day of atonement, which in Hebrew they called Yom Kippur. The Yom, Y-O-M, means day, and Kippur means atone, so day of atonement. All of Israel has to come to a standstill one time in a year. One day in a year, all of Israel has to come to a standstill. Why? Because this is the day that the Lord has appointed for the sacrifices that removes or covers the sins of the children of Israel to be made by the high priest. There were two important things that happened on the day of atonement. The important thing, number one, was that for the first time in the year, Aaron the high priest was allowed to go into the Holy of Holies. Aaron the high priest was allowed to go in the Holy of Holies. And number two, that by so doing, he had to go through the veil that separated the Holy of Holies from the holy place. That has significance. That has theological significance. But listen to how Aaron was instructed to enter. This is how Aaron was instructed to enter. Come with me to Leviticus 16, verses 3 to 22. Leviticus 16, verses 3 to 22. Verse 3. Aaron shall enter the holy place with this, with a bull for a sin offering and a ram for a burnt offering. He shall put on the holy linen tunic, and the linen undergarments shall be next to his body, and he shall be girded with the linen sash and attired with the linen turban. These are holy garments. Then he shall bathe his body in water and put them on. He shall take from the congregation of the sons of Israel two male goats for a sin offering and one ram for a burnt offering. Then Aaron shall offer the bull for the sin offering which is for himself, that he may make atonement for himself and, his, and for his household. He shall take the two gods and present them before the Lord at the doorway of the tent of meeting. Aaron shall cast lots for the two gods, one lot for the Lord and the other lot for the scapegoat. I'm on verse 9. Then Aaron shall offer the god on which the Lord for the Lord fell and make it a sin offering. But the God on which the Lord for the scapegoat fell shall be presented alive before the Lord to make atonement upon it, to send it into the wilderness as the scapegoat. Then Aaron shall offer the bull of the sin offering, which is for himself, and make atonement for himself and for his household. And he shall slaughter the bull of the sin offering, which is for himself. He shall take a fire pan full of coals of fire from upon the altar before the Lord, and two handfuls of finely ground sweet incense, and bring it inside the veil. He shall put the incense on the fire before the Lord, that the cloud of incense may cover the mercy seat that is on the, dark, that is on the ark of the testimony. Otherwise, he will die. Verse 14. Moreover, he shall take some of the blood of the bull and sprinkle it with his finger on the mercy seat on the east side. Also in front of the mercy seat, he shall sprinkle some of the blood with his finger seven times. Then he shall slaughter the God of the sin offering, which is for the people, and bring his blood inside the veil, and do with his blood as he did with the blood of the bull, and sprinkle it on the mercy seat and in front of the mercy seat. He shall make atonement for the holy place because of the impurities of the sons of Israel and because of their transgressions in regard to all their sins. And thus he shall do for the tent of meeting which abides with them in the midst of their impurities. When he goes in to make atonement in the holy place, no one shall be in the tent of meeting until he comes out, that he may make atonement for himself 
and for his household and for all the assembly of Israel. Then he shall go out to the altar that is before the Lord and make atonement for it and shall take some of the blood of the bull and of the blood of the goat and put it on the horns of the altar on all sides. With his finger he shall sprinkle some of the blood on it seven times and cleanse it and from the impurities of the sons of Israel consecrate it. When he finishes atoning for the holy place and the tent of meeting and the altar, he shall offer the live God. Then Aaron shall lay both of his hands on the head of the live God and confess over it all the iniquities of the sons of Israel and all their transgressions in regard to all their sins. And he shall lay them on the head of the God and send it away into the wilderness by the hand of a man who stands in readiness. The God shall bear on itself all their iniquities to a solitary land, and he shall release the God in the wilderness. There's a lot there. A few things to note. Aaron has to approach the Lord only on the terms that the Lord has set. Aaron has to approach the Lord only on the terms that the Lord has said because the Lord says in this chapter that if he does it any other way, he will die, just as happened to his two sons. Aaron has to approach the Lord with the animal sacrifices that the Lord has appointed. He is not to just bring whatever he wants. He has to bring only that which the Lord has appointed to be brought as a sacrifice. Aaron is the high priest of Israel, and a high priest is appointed only by God. Aaron is the high priest of Israel, and he is appointed only by God to do what? To offer gifts and sacrifices on behalf of God's people. Aaron is the high priest appointed by God to offer gifts and sacrifices on behalf of the people. And the gifts and sacrifices are being offered for the covering of the sins of the people. And the text says for, the, for all the sins, iniquities, transgressions of the children of Israel. It doesn't say some of them. So when the high priest goes into the tabernacle, into the tent of meeting to make these sacrifices, he is atoning for all the sins of God's people. That's significant. That is very important. But there was a problem with the whole setup. There was a problem that caused the children of Israel to always come and do it every year. There was a problem. There was a problem. The problem was that Israel could not stop making sacrifices because they, were, they kept sinning. Israel could not stop making sacrifices because they kept on sinning. And as long as people kept sinning, God required the sacrifices. As long as the people kept sinning, the Lord required the sacrifices. Also, the blood of bulls and gods could not take away sin. The blood of bulls and gods could not take away sin. And not only that, the high priest who offered the sacrifice was also sinful. So, you have trouble there. You have trouble with the sacrifice and you have trouble with the high priest. So we are told that the high priest, before he made an offering, he had to sacrifice first for his own sins and then for the sins of the people. He had to make a sacrifice for his own sins and then the sins of his people. And we had another problem. Aaron was prevented by death from continuing to make the sacrifices for God's people. So if I were your high priest, I could only make sacrifices until the point of my death. 
and afterwards you are in trouble. You don't have a priest to continue to do the work for you. So the high priest of the Levitical priesthood was limited in their work of atonement because they were sinful and were prevented by death from continuing to offer the sacrifices that would cover the sins of the people. Now, Israel's problem was not unique to them. Israel's problem was not just Israel's problem. The problem that Israel had is man's problem. The problem that Israel had was because of sin. And that's man's problem. So as long as man is sinful, man requires a high priest that goes before him or her and makes sacrifice for their sin. But God, by these sacrifices, was giving us hope. By these sacrifices, the Lord was saying that at some time in the future, I am going to make an end to these sacrifices. Sometime in the future, I am going to bring that high priest who is sinless. I'm going to bring a high priest who is going to offer a perfect sacrifice. And a high priest who is able to continue, who has the power of an endless life, who ever live to make intercession for your sins. Because you need a high priest who ever makes intercession because you are ever sinning. You need a high priest who doesn't get tired. You need a high priest who can go right into the throne of God and say, I have paid for his sins. I have paid for her sins. Ever interceding for you in the presence of God. You see, Only God can remove sin. Only God can remove sin because he alone has the power and resources to remove sin completely. Man is slave to sin. Sin is a master. But sin is a slave to God. Sin is a slave to God. God is the one who sits on the throne of all things. So when the Lord says, sin, you have to go, sin has no option but to go. Because the one who sits on the throne has spoken. The one who sits on the throne has said, your sins have completely been removed away from you. So, where are the people of Israel during this whole transaction on this day? Where are the people of Israel? Because we have this tent of meeting that was able to accommodate quite a number of people. But we are told specifically that only the high priest is to enter. And yet, this was being done on behalf of all the congregation of Israel. The congregation of Israel is outside the tabernacle, they cannot enter. Because if they enter, they will die. Because the instruction is very specific. No one is supposed to be in the tent of meeting when the high priest is in there doing the work of sacrifice. They have to be outside. They have to be outside. And this is where we have been all our lives we have always been outside the tent of meeting without the means or ability to get into the presence of God. Because the instruction is, if anyone comes close to me, they are dead. So, we have to stay outside. And remain outside as long as there is no priest to go before us and make the sacrifice that God requires. We shall forever remain outside. But there's good news. It's good news. 
Look at the way that the high priest did the work. Now, this is going to be beautiful. On the day of atonement, the high priest does two very significant things that I want you to see. This is what the high priest does. He offers the sacrifices. Number one. Number two, he makes a confession of sin over the sacrifice. Not just confession of sin. He makes the offering of the sacrifice and then a confession of the sins of the people on the sacrifice. Not just anyhow, not just on anything else that he thought he could do, but only on the sacrifice and he makes confession of sin. That's significant. This is so significant theologically that you need to understand it. Aaron the high priest, let's go to verse 2. Listen to what the Lord says in verse 2 of Leviticus 16. Verse 2. Then Aaron shall lay both of his hands on the head of the live God and confess over it all, not some, all the iniquities of the sons of Israel and all their transgressions in regard to all their sins. And he shall lay them on the head of the God and send it away into the wilderness by the hand of a man who stands in readiness. Now this is what has happened. As the high priest lays his hands on the sacrifice and it makes confession, there's something that happens. There's something that happens. The sin of the, is, of, of the Israelites that they've committed over the past year, the whole of last year, because remember, this is done once a year. The day, day of atonement is a once a year activity. So the high priest comes and he lays his hands for all the sins of the people on the sacrifice and all their sins, their transgressions are covered. So for that moment, the legal status of being guilty to not guilty is happening even though the children of Israel are outside the tent. Whether they become guilty or not guilty is happening because of the work of the high priest, not the work of the children of Israel who are aside. You see that? So we see the laying of hands signifying the transfer of sin on the sacrifice. The sacrifice becomes the sin bearer, it becomes your substitute. So your sins have been, all of them have been transferred onto the sacrifice. All of them. So when we talk about this, we are talking about justification. In Christ Jesus, who is our substitute, all our sins were laid on him, and he made the confession of sin not his sin, but our sins on himself. And when you approach salvation that way, you realize that there's nothing that you can do, nothing, absolutely nothing that you can do to have your sins removed. Impossible. It's impossible. Even the ones who claim to be Christians think that there is still something that they do to add, improve the work of Christ. Because they do not understand the need of a perfect sacrifice in a high priest. They do not get that. So the confession by the high priest, this high priest was for Israel, and it is he who made the confession on behalf of God's people. 
This is just too important for people to know. The church world does not know this. The high priest Jesus Christ has made the confession for the sins of his people. Men centered religion. Men centered religion because they don't understand what God has been teaching about himself. We'll tell you what you have to do to get things right with God. That what you have to, with your own resources, have to do, what shall I do to be saved? Good question. Very good question. And that question was asked to the right person. What shall I do to be saved? (laughs) What are the works of the Lord that we should do them? This is the work of the Lord, to believe on him, him we are sent. That's the work of the Lord. Men want to do, they want to do stuff. Men centered religion will not tell you what God has done to reconcile himself to you. They will not make it about what Christ has done they will make it about what you have to done, what you, you have to do as to seek God's approval. That you may rest, rest your confidence in the things that you are doing yourself in the flesh rather than in what Christ has accomplished. They will tell you a list of steps of do's and don'ts. Do not touch, do not smell. Do not handle. Don't hang out with these people. Don't do that. That is all fleshly. That is not understanding the work of salvation. That is not understanding the work of redemption. Man-made religion does not tell you that sin is only removed when you make a confession over the sacrifice that God has given Man-made religion will not tell you that you only have your sins removed when you make a confession over the sacrifice that God himself has provided. But whose confession? We have two confessions that have to be made. But whose confession? Christ's confession. As Aaron the high priest made a confession of the sins of the people as their mediator, so too Christ made a confession on behalf of his people. Listen to John 15, 13. Uh, John 15, 3. Jesus Christ says to his disciples, You are already clean because of the word which I have spoken to you. You are already clean because of the word which I have spoken to you. That is how you get clean. That is how you get clean. You get clean because of what Christ has spoken about you. But what has he spoken about you? Listen to Luke 23, 24. What has Christ spoken about you? Christ says, forgive them, Father, for they know not what they are doing. That's a global statement. Do not think it's limited to those guys. It's limited to all of God's people. You sin and you have sinned because you didn't know what you're doing. That's the reason. You sin and have sinned Because you do not know what you're doing. So Christ has made the confession that you are clean because of what he has said. He is the high priest. You see the connection? Christ has to make the declaration that you are clean because of what he has said. And I'll tell you that. When you read the Bible... 
looking for things to do, you never see this. You never. But if you look to the Bible, seeing and wanting to see what Christ has done, you'll be surprised by the many things that the Lord will show you. This is how men get clean. Believe in Christ because Christ has made the confession of your sins before uh, God. And Jesus Christ, the sacrifice, made this statement before he was offered, just as Aaron confessed, confessed the sins of the children of Israel before the sacrifice was offered. Right? Christ said this before he died. Aaron made the confession of sin over the animal, the sacrifice, before he killed it. So we have two confessions. We have the confession of Christ and the confession of the sinner. Listen to Romans 10, 8 to 10. But what does it say? The word is near you in your mouth and in your heart. That is the word of faith that we preach. Because if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For with the heart one believes and thus has righteousness. And with the mouth one confesses and thus has salvation. This statement is saying what? Look at this statement. This is beautiful. The confession is only happening in the context of the death of a sacrifice. Go back and read that. The confession is not just a confession. It's confessing that the sacrifice Jesus Christ died and resurrected. Just as Aaron made a confession over the sacrifice, we come by faith and make the confession that Christ died as our sacrifice. Christ died as our sacrifice. So to the end of what? When you make a confession of faith, it is to the end of righteousness and salvation, which is exactly what God was teaching in Leviticus 16. The children of Israel, for the time that the sacrifice is effectual for them, for covering temporarily their sins, they are righteous. They've been saved because God could have killed them anytime. So your confession and mine are only useful because Christ already made a confession of our sins before God. So your confession and mine are only effectual because of what Christ has already done. Because of what Christ has already spoken about you. So in time we come and we make this confession because the true high priest, the one who is our high priest and the sacrifice has already spoken it. Our sins were all and completely put on Christ. And Christ makes the confession of our sins on himself. <laughs> Christ made a confession of our sins on himself because he was the high priest and the sacrifice. He has to do that. Now that opens up a lot of excellent theology, which we'll talk about soon or shortly. The confession of sin that discharges the guilty of sin is that which is done by the one that God has appointed. Very important. You see, there are many religions out there. There are many people that call themselves Christians who do not believe that Jesus Christ is the high priest. They do not even know or understand the importance of the priesthood of Christ in salvation. So they minimize the person of Jesus. They do not know that Jesus Christ is God. But what this says is beautiful. 
it's telling you that Christ is to be more than Aaron for him to do what he did. He has to be more than us. So, Muhammad does not cut it. I love the Dalai Lama. He's a nice guy. And he has a lot of very nice things that he says. But he's lost. He's lost. The Pope at Rome cannot make a confession of sin to remove my sin. The Pope at Rome cannot make a confession of having my sin discharged because he is not the high priest that God has appointed to go into the tabernacle. See, men love religion. So if the confession of sins over a live God could cover the sins of the children of Israel, the confession of our sins over Christ shall surely remove our sins completely. Listen to Hebrews 9, 13 and 14. For if the blood of gods and bulls and the ashes of a young cow sprinkled on those who are defiled, consecrated them and provided ritual purity, how much more will the blood of Christ, who through the eternal spirit offered himself without blemish to God, purify our consciences from dead works to worship the living God? That's the simplicity of the gospel. The gospel is so simple. The gospel is simple in that the sacrifice is there. All you need to do is to come to Christ and confess your sin over the sacrifice. That's the gospel. You confess your sin. When you get burdened by things and you think you are not in obedience or you think you are just not in fellowship with the Lord and somehow you feel like, oh, I've been dry. I don't know what to do. Maybe I've been lost. Lord, help me. Yes, the Lord will help you. But I need you to know that the gospel is simple. You confess your sin over the sacrifice. So every time that you stumble, and if you feel like you need to come to the Lord, you go and confess the sacrifice, Jesus Christ. And this is what it means to confess. Confess is, comes from the Greek word, homo logeo, homo legeo. Homo, you identify that, that's the same, right? Homo means same. Logeo comes from logos, which means words. So to make a confession means to agree with or to say the same words as. So when you make a confession of Christ, you are saying the same words as God has said about Christ. You are saying that Christ is the Son of God. You are saying that Christ is Lord and Savior. That's what you're saying. That's what confession means. It's not necessarily always going about telling people of your iniquities, as Roman, the, the Roman Catholic would have us understand. It's saying you come before the Lord and confess Christ as Lord and Savior, for he who believes in me has eternal life. Right. So if you, the Lord says, if you confess me before men, Right? I'll confess to you before my father. So what is that confession? You're saying Jesus Christ is Lord before man. Amen. That's what you're saying. So Jesus Christ is Lord and Savior. Now we, we are going to connect this to the resurrection. I want to build this. We are a teaching church. I'm interested in showing you Christ. Nothing else. Every time that I stand up here, I have to show you the things of Christ. That's my interest and nothing else. Let us go back to the entrance briefly, the tabernacle. On the day of atonement, the high priest gets into the tabernacle. The first thing that he sees is the bronze altar. That's the first thing. 
That's the first piece of furniture. As the high priest gets into the tent of meeting, the bronze altar is right there. Why? <laughs> the Lord is saying, don't proceed any further before you have provided a sacrifice for your sins. Don't proceed any further. Because as you look at the tabernacle, the direction of worship is from the entrance and all the way, moving from west to east, you are going further and further into the Holy of Holies. But the first thing that happens, you open the door, stop, sacrifice. Sacrifice. That's the law of holiness. Holiness requires that as soon as you determine to come before a holy God, sacrifice. Where is it? Show it to me. Show me your sacrifice and then you can proceed. So, after the bronze altar, there's the lava of cleansing. This high priest has to wash their hands before they proceed again into the holy place where you had the candlestick, you had the table of showbread and the altar of incense. And he had to do work in there before he could go with the blood of the sacrifice right into the Holy of Holies. These are things that we have to keep teaching because there's just so much. I have to explain all those pieces and what they mean. But they mean Christ. <laughs> They're all explaining the, the work of Christ. Um, so, what happened to Nadab and Abihu, Aaron's two sons? They made a strange fire, which the Lord had not commanded. Aaron's sons were in the priesthood line, so they were allowed to go into minister in the tabernacle. And they made a strange incense. The problem was not that they made the incense. The problem was they tried to improve on what God had told them to do. They tried to make it better. Oh, I'm going to make it better. I'm going to find a way to just make, I'm going to make it better. I'm going to put some new rims on this thing and make it shiny. The Lord does not do that. And Aaron's sons are struck dead. And that's exactly how God is going to kill anyone who comes without Christ. Anyone who comes without Christ. We are talking about Christ, his sufficiency, the completeness of his work, and the resurrection. This is too important, and I need you to really understand it. I really need you to understand it. The problem that we have as sinful people cannot be understood. Or we cannot understand the person of Christ and the work of Christ if we don't understand our problem. We cannot understand the work and person of Christ if we don't understand our problem. We cannot understand the nature, not, not just the person, the nature of the person of Christ in salvation. The nature of the person of Christ in salvation. With the Levitical priests, the sacrifice and the priest were separate. With the Levitical priests, the sacrifice and those were the two major elements. You have the sacrifice and the high priest. These are the two elements that are involved in all this work. All this work is happening because of just those two elements. The high priest and the sacrifice. Those are the only two elements that are involved in this work. 
So the Levitical priesthood, everything was easy in the sense that the sacrifice was separate from the high priest. So the high priest could make the sacrifice, bring the blood right into the Holy of Holies and sprinkle it on the mercy seat. But as we know, the sacrifice was not sufficient to remove sin. So how then is this work to be done? Who then is able to do this work? Seeing that the sacrifice is imperfect. Seeing that the high priest has sin of their own. Seeing that the high priest also dies. How, how is this work to be done? And this is a serious dilemma and a serious problem. Because even if we find a priest who is perfect, where are we going to find the sacrifice? If we find the priest who is perfect, where are we going to find the sacrifice? And if we find the sacrifice, who is going to present the sacrifice? And if we find both the priest and the sacrifice, still, are they the ones that God has appointed? Are they the ones God have, have appointed? Remember, the priest has to bring the blood of the sacrifice to the place where God said to meet him. God specifically gave instruction in Exodus 2 that the priest had to meet him at the mercy seat. And where was the mercy seat? In the Holy of Holies. Who gets in the Holy of Holies? Nobody. You get killed. But he says, if you want to meet me, that's where we meet. That's where we meet. But not only that, the priest has to come out of the tabernacle to announce that the work of sacrifice has been done. The priest has to come out of the tabernacle to announce to the people that the sacrifice, the work of sacrifice has been completed. Listen to Leviticus 16, 17. This is glorious. It's glorious. Love it. When he goes in to make atonement in the holy place, no one shall be in the tent of meeting until he comes out. Until the priest comes out. What is he doing? That he may make atonement for himself and for his household and for all the assembly of Israel. These are his people. But how does the high priest come out if he is also the sacrifice. We've just been told that no one can get in until he comes out. But how does the high priest come out if he is also the sacrifice? He's dead. The high priest is dead. How does he come out to tell the people that now it's safe for you to come into the tabernacle? How does he do that? The people can't go in or else they'll die. Here is God's solution. The need of a God-man. The need of a God-man. The need of a high priest who is both God and man. The need of a high priest. The need of a high priest and a sacrifice that is both dead and alive. So if Christ has to be the sacrifice and the high priest, then Christ has to be more than man. If Christ has to be both the sacrifice and the high priest, he has to be more than man. To be a perfect sacrifice and priest, he needs to be both God and man. As man, he is the sacrifice that dies on the altar of the cross. But as God, he continues with the movement of worship with the sacrifice all the way to the presence of God into the Holy of Holies. If Christ is not God, the sacrifice did not reach God's presence. It died right at the bronze altar and did not move any further. If Christ did, was not God and is not God, 
The sacrifice did not help you because it just remained on the bronze altar. It was eaten by worms, and that's it. End of story. It did not even go beyond to get into the holy place or into the holy of holies. So Christ has not entered into the presence of God. He can't do that because he is dead. But if Christ is the God-man, he died and yet he was alive. He died to his humanity as a man, as, his, as a sacrifice, but as God, he continued the work of priesthood. He continued as priesthood. So when we say Christ is the God-man, Christ is God. Once you deny that Christ is God, you have denied salvation. It doesn't matter your pretensions of religion. Going to church or even opening the Bible. It doesn't matter as long as your confession of Jesus Christ is not the Son of God, who is God the Son, and who is fully man. Your confession does not avail anything. Okay. Listen to what Jesus says. John 10, 18. Therefore my father loves me because I lay down my life that I may take it again. No one takes it from me, but I lay it down of myself. I have power to lay it down and I have power to take it again. This command I have received from my father. So Jesus is saying, I have power in myself to lay it down and to take it up again. How can he take his life back again when he's dead? If he's dead, he's dead. But for him to be able to take his life back again, it means he has his life. He says, no man can take away my life from me. He still has his life, so he keeps his life. So, Christ, as our high priest, has to resurrect from the dead. And now that he has resurrected from the dead, he has come out of the tabernacle to announce the completion of his work. That is why the resurrection is important. That is why the resurrection is important. So what the Lord was teaching in Leviticus verse 17 there was the resurrection of Christ. That's all he was teaching. He was teaching that Christ, the sacrifice, was going to come and die and resurrect. And once Christ is resurrected, he's saying, God's people now have access to him. That is what the resurrection means. Christ has completed the work. Because the high priest cannot come back to the door to announce for the people to come in unless he has gone all the way and back. So, that is the completion of our salvation. Our salvation is complete and it's perfected. There's nothing that you can do to lose it. It's impossible. can't be done. Uh, you have to... I don't know what you can do. There's nothing that you can do. Uh, you can try whatever you want to do, but as long as Christ has come out by resurrection, there's nothing that you can do. He has completely saved, sanctified, and justified all his people. Now that our high priest has come out of the Holy of Holies, he has finished his work of sacrifice. Christ does not need to be offered again. Once for all time, the right of Hebrews will say, because he is perfect. So he has offered himself, listen to the language, he offers himself. How, how do you do that? That's the language of priesthood and sacrifice. Christ is offering himself, I put my life down, I, not someone, because the sacrifice of the Old Testament, someone had to take it and offer it, but Christ says, I take myself and I put myself on the altar. So ultimately, Jesus Christ was not killed by men. Jesus Christ achieved his own death. Because there's no man who can kill Christ. And Jesus Christ was not killed by the cross. 
the Son of God who sits on the, in the heavens cannot be killed by four, three nails. The Son of God who is in heaven, who holds all the planets, all everything in the universe cannot be killed by two nails on his hands. He only submits to that for the sake of you. He condescends himself that he may experience death for you. You never experience death. You, you don't even know what it means to die. And you never know. But the Son of God has removed death by sacrifice and by resurrection he has put life. So Christ has put what is in himself where death was. Before Christ, you were the walking dead. But now that you are in Christ, you have the resurrected life of Christ Jesus. And he invites you and says, now come boldly to the throne of grace that you may find need, find help in the time of need. Why does the Holy Spirit say come boldly? Because even if you go in running, you're not going to burn. Yeah. Boldly, because before you were outside, you could not get in. The instruction was clear. Come close, you're dead. Get close to the mountain, you're dead. If you look at my face, you're dead. But he says, come, come. It's him who's inviting, come, come, come boldly to the throne of grace that you may find help in the time of need. Because Christ, the Lord Jesus Christ, the high priest and sacrifice has been offered God has accepted. God has accepted. And because God has accepted, Christ is resurrected. If Christ had not resurrected, you and I would still be in our sins. This is the theology of the work of Christ. This is our hope. This is our salvation. The Lord is good. Let's go before him in prayer.